If you would like to use a Bible today, our ushers are going to be coming up and down the aisles, uh, handing them out. Just raise your hand, and they will get one to you today. This Advent, through our Light the Way Home series, we've been looking to experience the light of Jesus coming home to us through the metaphor of house building, starting with the foundation of hope, moving into the framework of faith, which was then filled with the light of love that comes home to us. And as we prepare to receive the good news of Christmas in just a few days, today we're learning about how that work is finished, made complete in us, in joy. And the house building metaphor makes a lot of sense to me because I had the wonderful and horrible experience of doing all the finishing work for the house that I built in Princeton, Minnesota, in my first call as a pastor. So when I first got to Princeton, fresh out of seminary, I was living in an old drafty farmhouse on the property of a church member, looking for a place to live permanently. But there weren't many options that worked very well for a single person in town until a congregation member told me that her realty office was working with a builder to build single-story spec homes. And would I be interested in working with them to build something small that was going to work for me? And intrigued, I said, let's talk. And she showed me this little wood lot on a cul-de-sac north of town, and immediately I could picture myself living there. So much so that the very next day when I left for work, left from work, without thinking, when I went to drive home, I found myself driving to that empty lot instead of the house I was staying at. And when I realized that, I started laughing. If I needed confirmation this was the right decision, I guess I had it. Because even without a house there, it was already home. But all I had at that point were the plans, the place, and the price. Ouch. That was the scary part. Because just starting out in my first full-time job as a pastor with seminary loans, I knew I was going to have to cut corners to make this work. Dirt driveway, no washing machine or dishwasher or air conditioning. But I knew I'd have to be a lot more creative than that. So when the work began, the foundation was laid and the framework put into place. I made a deal with the contractor that I would show up every day after work to sweep and clean up the work site, throw stuff away in the dumpster, so I wouldn't have to pay them to do it. And then in the paperwork, I also agreed that I would do all of the finishing work of the house myself. That means I would paint all the interior walls, I would stain and varnish all the wood for the cabinets, the trim, the baseboards, hang all the trim and all the internal doors myself. Oh. What was I thinking? <laughs> Honestly, I didn't have a clue. I didn't have a clue what the kind of work meant. I just knew what I could afford and what I couldn't. So I said, yes, I'll do that and I believed there would be a way. So when all the essentials needed for me to live there were done, the plumbing, the heat, the electricity, now the finishing work became mine to do. Mine, and thank the Lord, my wonderful parents. So we painted, and we started the long process of first staining and then varnishing all the interior wood that would be used in the house. Baseboards, doors, cabinets, everything. And up till this point, I was pretty confident. I mean, I had painted before, I would stained, I would varnished. I, these are things I knew how to do. But once all of that was done, now this trim had to be cut to mathematically angled precision to fit around door frames and nail gunned into place. And the doors had to be hung with precision. And very quickly, I realized I was in serious trouble <laughs> because cutting angles is not for the uninitiated. And after trying a few and realizing how really complicated this is, it became clear I needed help. And honestly, I would probably still be sitting there crying if it weren't for a group of men at my church who heard my tale of woe and volunteered to come and help me. 
So the next Saturday, a group of 10 retired men show up, showed up in my garage with power saws and nail guns, and for the price of pizza, Subway sandwiches, pop, and coffee. By the end of the day, they had cut and placed all of my finished trim, hung all interior doors. It was like a miracle <laughs> to see what I'd hoped for and then realized was completely beyond my ability to do, suddenly fulfilled in one day through this amazing group of men. And soon after that, this home officially became mine, but in no way did it feel like it was mine alone. Because without every single person walking alongside me, the member with the farmhouse, the realtor with the plan, the construction company that was willing to work with me, my wonderful parents and this group of men, this never would have happened. And as a result, when I moved in, I felt I entered not only into a finished home, but an ongoing story of what love can do. And what I learned was, for this home to truly be mine, I needed to know it wasn't just about me. It involved being part of the joys and the sorrows and the hopes and the dreams of those around me. And that would start with me being vulnerable enough to dare to share my own too. Because our joy is never made complete, it's never finished until we find a way to share it with others. Home isn't just a place, it's found in a people. And in God's amazing humor, uh, as I was preparing for this message and realized that my voice was not going to last this whole time, uh, I feel like God was tapping me on the shoulder and said, Angie, I think you need to be vulnerable enough to ask for help. So I'm going to hand this off to Dan Lugo. You're welcome. Yes. <laughs> so what does all that have to do with this season and what God is doing in us and for us right now? Well, the truth is, the Advent journey leading us into the joy of Christmas is all about God building something permanent for us, a home that will always be ours no matter where we go, because His were the plans, our hearts were the place, and Jesus came to pay the price. By stepping in to do that work Himself, to make this home for us with His own nail-scarred hands, when we find home in him, we find what Jesus is doing here in each of our lives is a part of a much bigger story, and that's one that connects us to each other as well. At the beginning of Advent, we started with the foundation of hope, remembering that long ago, God had promised his people that he would build a home for them by sending them a Messiah. In the Old Testament, God's people were a nomadic people, wanderers drawn to the hope of a promised land a home to call their own. Now, throughout history, God had been with them wherever they went, and He was their home. But unfortunately, somewhere along the line, when they got to the promised land, that truth got a bit confused, as it does for many of us. So King David, a man after God's own heart, wanted to build a temple, a permanent house for God, so they'd never forget who was at their center. And God chuckled. David, nice thought, but I don't need you to build me a house. There's no place I don't live. But I get your heart, and I honor that. So I'll raise your offer of building me a house, and I'll give you this promise. I'm going to make a house for you, one nothing of earth can destroy. I'm going to build an eternal home for you, David, and for my people to live forever with me. And that promise will come through your earthly line. In 2 Samuel, we read, The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. 
He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Now, Solomon, David's son, did build a temple for God the very next generation, and I'm sure they thought, there, promise fulfilled. But that wasn't the home God was building. That was the house Solomon built. The home God was building would come through his Messiah, through the saving work of Jesus' death and resurrection for us, whose reign is forever. Jesus said in John chapter 2, destroy this temple and I will raise it up in three days. The work Jesus would do to build something that lasts forever would take his everything. It would take the work of tearing down everything that stood in the way of us being able to live with God forever, things like sin and death, in order to start rebuilding on a whole new foundation laid down by Jesus' redeeming work himself. Nothing eternal can be built on a temporary foundation. That's why it took the Son of God to establish it. He came to build a future and a home, not just for one generation of David's descendants, but for all of us, all of us who will confess this work is beyond us, that we need him to do this work for us. There was a plan and a place, and Jesus came to pay the price for it to be yours and mine. And what God promises, he will do. What he starts, he'll finish. And this was the world that Mary grew up in, one waiting for God's Messiah to build this kingdom among them. And of course, they all had their own ideas of how God would accomplish that, none of which involved a cross, by the way. But they were waiting in hope until one day Mary is visited by an angel who tells her this building project begins now in you, in your life, Mary. That's where the place where this plan begins. And amazingly, Mary believes. She has faith not just that God will do what he promised, but that he would do it through her. Now that's a pretty huge project for a single woman to accomplish alone. But she trusts that what God promised he would provide. And when she's probably feeling the most overwhelmed by it all, the angel shows her where her help is found, that she has a relative who is also experiencing a miraculous pregnancy. So if there's anyone who might understand that God does impossible things, it's Elizabeth. So Mary immediately packs her bags and goes to her. And Luke chapter 1 tells us the moment she entered the home, Elizabeth knew that Mary was carrying the Messiah without even having to figure out a way to tell her. Mary was believed and supported. Suddenly she had someone with whom she could share this unbelievable joy of what God was doing in her life. And I honestly think that this moment is one of the greatest gifts of God's love in all the Bible. As can you see how the Lord loves her here? God knew what she needed the most in this moment and he gave it to her in the support of Elizabeth. And I don't think it's any accident that it's at this moment and not before that Mary bursts into a song of praise to the God who understands the needs, the hopes, and the fears of the human heart, who is faithful not just in the big eternal things, but also in the small, right here in this moment, needs of people like you and like me. So let's take a look at her words in Luke 1, verse 46 through 55. It's on page 1499 in your Quest Bible. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their innermost thoughts. 
He has brought down rules from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. This was the moment, I believe, when Mary truly believed that this gift was hers, that God was really going to do this through her. This is the moment she realizes who her God is, not just one who does great things, but who does great things for her, who cares for the needs of the poor and the hungry and the broken, who sees and who lifts up those who are unseen by everybody else. This is our God, the one who shows up not just with a life-changing invitation for eternity, but also with a gift of real love and compassion for those who dare walk in it with him right now, a love that makes for us a home together. This is her God. This is our God. This is the one we've been waiting for, the one who is and who will be home for us now and forever. This God doesn't just tell us to build a house for him. Rather, he's building one for us if we have the faith to see and to receive the unexpected ways he's at work. Mary sees the foundation of hope. She's built on it with a framework of faith, and God's love has come to home to her. But it's only when she can share that love, that promise, that her joy is made complete. Good news is never really made complete in us until it's shared. The finishing work of the gospel cannot be done alone because an essential part of the good news is that while it's for you, it isn't just for you. It's for everyone. When you can rejoice with someone else about what Jesus has done for you, you start to realize he really has done this for me, and, and he's done this for you. Joy gets reflected back to us through the eyes of another. Now, could God have given Mary the supernatural ability to trust and have joy without Elizabeth for support? Sure. Could God have given me the supernatural ability to figure out angle-cutting math and stretch time so I could do all the internal woodwork in my house independent from, an, independent from anyone else? Sure. Could God have given me the voice to do this whole sermon alone? Sure. <laughs> but self-sufficiency was not the lesson he wanted me to learn or to teach today. Instead, he wanted to show how he provides in ways that are beyond the self. He wants us to experience that home isn't just a structure to shelter us. It's found in the people around us. And sometimes it takes confessing our vulnerability to be able to see the strength that God has given us and where it's really found, to be able to see the masterful plan of the Lord who knows what we truly need in his presence with us, through us together. Because the truth is, any home we build here is going to be temporary. Obviously, when I moved from Princeton to White Bear Lake, I left that home behind. But what God built in me and for me through that experience, what he taught me about how he works, that was much more lasting, and that I took with me. Similarly, in Jesus' work for us, he's already provided everything we need. We're given the foundation of his grace, forgiveness, mercy, hope, peace, joy, love beyond understanding. And that's his work alone for you and for me. He's the one who builds the house. He's the one who prepares a place for you and me. But as we step into this home of love, we find our joy is finished, made complete in us. When we can be vulnerable enough not only to give others that truth of that joy, but also to receive it reflected back from them. 
His plan is to make a home for us. And just like Mary, that building project begins in you. But it finds its completion, its joy, in the us that Jesus' love creates. In God's love, home isn't just a place, but home is in a people. Joy is made complete when it's shared. Ephesians 2, Paul writes, Remember at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But, but now, in Christ Jesus, you who were far away are now drawn near by the blood of Christ. Consequently, you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. The home Jesus is building is a home where the more the merrier is a rule of life. Literally, each heart invited in increases the amount of celebration in heaven. Every heart is wanted. Every heart invited. Every heart is one that Jesus died to redeem. And its joy is to share that good news. Just look at the Christmas story. Angels proclaimed the news to the shepherds, then burst in joy that the good news was for all the world. They couldn't help it. Then the shepherds, who hear that good news, that God has sent the Messiah, is for them. They go to see it for themselves. But what do they do then? They go and tell everybody. It's too good not to share. So what about you? Do you know that Jesus came to build a home for you? Do you know that this is your God who comes to meet you, who knows the humble state of people like us and meets us right where we are? Do you know who Jesus came to be for you? We have prayer ministers here today after the service. They'd love to pray with you to know that love for yourself. But once you know that love, don't just keep it to yourself. Joy is meant to be shared. So this season, do you know others who need to know that love is for them too? Invite them to come to worship with you or share your own celebrations. Volunteer with Project Home. Show that this love that's given for you is for all the world. Because we see in the heart of our God who did not choose to stay distant from us, but chose to share his heart with the world in his son who came down for us and his Holy Spirit poured out in us, that joy is made complete when it's shared. So may this Christmas you find your home in God's great love for you, and may that joy in you light the way home for others to know his love is for them as well. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you, Father God, that you have loved us so much that you sent your Son to meet us right here where we are and to draw us back into your family, your eternal love. And thank you, Lord, that as Jesus came and walked among us, that uh, he has shown us and continues to show us that your love is made complete when it's shared with one another, that you don't just come for me, but you come for us, Lord, that you come to knit us together as one family. So, Lord, we pray that you would continue to shine your light in our hearts and that you would help us to reflect that love into a very dark world that needs to know the light of your love. And all these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>